Welcome to FileMaker Talk. This is Matt... No, this is not Matt Navarre. This is Matt Petrowski. I'm with... Matt Petrowski. I mean, this is Matt Navarre. Ah, oh, you followed me up. I was hoping I was going to be unique, dude. Let's just start over. Why? All right, fine. <laughs> pause on air. She is done. See, that's what pause on air is about. We do not have to have a structure or be all... <clears throat> all uptight. We can be relaxed. Everybody's lounging on chairs. They're all having a good time. Drink a beer. Yep, and we're uh, pause is wrapping up now. We're at the very end of it. So, what did you get? What did I get? Wow. In addition to the completely awesome hanging out with uh, all my friends and colleagues and stuff like that, which alone would be good enough, I actually got some really awesome technical tips from various different things, all of which I remembered, integrated into my consciousness, and forgot. Ah, well, well I, and, I, but, but but when I need them, they'll be there. Ah, and I took, so I took a, I wrote down a few of my top notes, so we'll give you something that we got out of pause, but yes, you're totally right. I mean, coming here, there's definitely a lot to be learned, but I think, I can't say that you have to be at a certain level in order to keep up, because there are people that start at a pretty basic, sometimes at a pretty basic level, but a lot of the times there's just assumptions made. You know FileMaker, you're going to understand the code, you're going to understand what's talked about. And so, depending where you're at, there's always something that you can get. And I tend to think that I know a lot of things because I have experience in some other technologies, but guaranteed, I picked up four different things that I had no clue about. One of them just utterly blew everybody away, it's just one of those things that you just didn't know was there. Yeah, what? Well, you want to know? Yes, please. Do you think everybody else wants to know? Yeah, <laughs> forget it. <laughs> All right, this was it. This was like this was my number one. Just absolutely did not know this. When I asked in the room after it was said, there were only four people out of a room of about thirty that knew that this existed. You can tell me whether you knew this existed. Interesting. You can hold down the shift key. And when the Manage Scripts window is open, if you click the Run button, whatever script is selected, it will invoke that script within the debugger. You know, I think I used to know that, but I never use it. It sounds familiar, but I've never used it, so that's pretty sweet. It is shift, shift click a script to run it. No, so sh you, shift click the Run shift button. Shift click the Run button, and it, it opens debugger, so you don't have to open it. Correct. You don't have to have the debugger previously open or go to the menu... And I think this is just a matter of, I didn't even know it existed. It's just going to be a matter of forming that habit that if you want to debug a script, shift click and you're I wonder, there. I wonder if you can like option shift click and open up debugger and data viewer. Just option click to open just data viewer. That'd be awesome. I'll have to play with that. That would be totally nice. Now, one of the things that I mentioned I was when I was talking to these people, I was totally excited. I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I didn't know that was there. Is a lot of people, they say, yeah, use your F keys for progressing through the debugger, hit your stop points, etc. But another one that some people didn't know is in the call stack that it lists all of your scripts, all you have to do is double-click any one of those scripts, and it will open that script. If you hmm. double-click the script that you're on, it opens that script and goes, I believe, to the point where you're at in the debugger. Well, the little button over on the right does that, too. So if you're debugging a script and you want to just open it and put your cursor at the, that, I use that every day, all day. I didn't know you can double-click it in the call stack, although that makes sense. And it's extremely nice to be able to open things lower in the stack that already called the script you're in. Exactly. Double-click, and you're there. Very nice. <laughs> All right, do you have one? Well, you know, a tip that I got. Um, uh, so, you know, when lassoing objects on a layout in FileMaker 12... It's the opposite of the way it used to work in 11. So all you have to do is touch the object and it gets selected. 
In 11, if you hold down the command key on the Mac, I'm not sure that on the Windows, and uh, then it, it works the same way that it does by default in 12. Well, I guess I didn't think about it, but if you hold down the command key in 12, it works the same way as it used to in 11, which in a lot of cases makes it much easier to select objects on a layout. That's a pretty nice one. Yeah, it just inverses the behavior. That mm-hmm. one is, I could not live without that one. Yeah. Being able to go outside of objects, outside of your layout on the boundaries in order to select, say, an object that's underneath another object, such as a web viewer or something. Yeah. So tips are definitely a useful thing. Uh, what about bigger picture things like business directions and interesting technologies and stuff like that? Do you, did you get a lot of that from here? Um, I tell you, the the one session that I really... I didn't think that I was going to like it because when it comes to FileMaker, everybody has a lot of, they've got their preset opinions. They develop how they want to develop. So you have to be flexible and open in order to accept some other developers' conventions. And Todd had a great session about making code more componentized and copying it. But the person who I saw that I talked to him before he gave the session was Brian Schick. I think it's, that's how you pronounce his last name. He presented his method for, they called it Syntactic uh, SQL Dev Sugar, is what the title, I believe, of the session was. Mm -hmm. But the way that he has created this little suite of domain-spaced custom functions for SQL is just awesome. I'm going to totally propose that we adopt it over at FileMaker Standards for what we use. It's just a small core group of people that Mm -hmm. use these, but it is just a brilliantly well-designed, well-crafted system for uh, generating your own SQL. I'm gonna, I missed that session. I'm going to look really, really closely at that because I've heard that from a lot of other people. Yep, full, abs- full field and table abstraction. So if you rename things, it works, and it's just got a very elegant implementation. He's a, he's a Ruby guy from what I can understand. He was, he was referring to Ruby, and he used some of these other things that come from other languages that really makes it very clean to write SQL code. Hmm. Cool. Yeah, SQL. Well, SQL year one was a big thing. I talked to Jason about that, um, getting a good summary on that. And actually, one of the other cool things I got from that was subqueries. In, an, in a single execute SQL, have another execute SQL nested within it. Yeah. Pretty sweet. You can do I, – in I know most MySQL more. So in MySQL, they use a within, but I think in the SQL 92 spec, they use in. Um, they don't have like a proper quote-unquote contains. But, yeah, if you say select something in and then have another select, it will select it within the results of your subquery. I thought he said it was in the where. Um, yeah, it might be. I believe the, the keyword is in, but it's where in something oh, I, I forget. See, I see. Okay. Yeah. So I don't know. You'd have to dig into the – you know, here's a tip for those of you that don't know. When you're investigating SQL or any of the other technologies that FileMaker supports, custom web publishing, what have you, a lot of people think that they have to go to the web, but I guess it's a little-known fact that all you have to do is go up to the Help menu. And if you go to the Help menu, one of those submenus is uh, documentation. And what it will do is it will open the PDFs that were installed with FileMaker so that you can actually research them. Hmm. So in the case of SQL, it's really handy because you just go up to the Help menu, go to the one that says something about documentation and then say ODBC, JDBC, or whatever. And it will open that document, and then you can search the PDF right there. You don't have to go online. Nifty. I do a lot of that. I love love having the PDFs open. Sometimes what I do in a script, actually, before to empower FM, what I would do is I would would, uh, print a really long, big script to a PDF file and then open open it in preview. And then I could search within that for instances of whatever I was looking at. 
Uh, like when we were doing all this HL7 development, which is this huge XML type of uh, medical record thing, uh, that was useful. But 2Empower pretty much takes care of all that now. Yeah, that you're talking about Dracoventions, right? Yeah, 2Empower FM developer. developer. assistant, yeah. yeah. I can't imagine not having that as a developer. No, and if FileMaker took any cues not to take income away from him, I mean, he he's done it right. He's got that really That's uh, You can't develop without that tool. Yeah. What else you got, Matty? Let's see. Um, I've only got four of them here. The first one was shift-click. Uh, another one that I got was if you go to the scripts dialog and you go down to the bottom where it says show compatibility, you obviously have iOS, server, desktop. If you select on server, what will happen is the uh, insert picture, insert PDF, insert whatever will be grayed out because server obviously doesn't have a user model for presenting input into those. Mm-hmm. You can accomplish this with insert from URL. You simply go to the insert from URL, add that step, and then specify uh, the um, without perform without dialog. Mm-hmm. But you basically use the local file syntax for the URL, file colon slash slash, and then point to wherever the file is, and you can get a file from the local file system on server into a container. So Does that only work in that one folder inside FileMaker server where data can live that uh, that FileMaker server can see? Or I have no idea. I would have to. I have to test it. I just saw that it, it was in the session that uh, John Renfrew was giving about um, PDFs. He's basically generating PDFs on the server side mm-hmm. and then putting them into containers, and that's how he was doing it. That's cool. I do a lot of importing and exporting as server-side scripts to get like files from an FTP or something like that. And there's one folder inside the FileMaker server directory structure that FileMaker server has access to when it's logged out and it guarantees it's kind of like you know your desktop folder or your temp folder or whatever that's really cool but being able to do that with images is awesome yeah i mean any file because the insert from url just sees the file and it doesn't necessarily care and i'm assuming FileMaker takes care of you know if it's an image png it puts it into the right format awesome what else Let's see, one of them that I was doing was I was exporting, uh, for example, when you take pictures on an iOS device, what happens is the picture is not necessarily at the dimensions that you want to show. A lot of times you want to show like a user avatar in a square image format. And so I was putting the image into the temp directory on the iOS device on FileMaker Go and then referencing that with a web viewer. The problem is the WebKit or Safari Mobile on the iOS device caches that and even if you export a, let's say the user takes a new picture with the, the camera, mm-hmm. when you export that with the same name, the cache still remembers the old file. Mm. Well, there's a very simple trick in order to make uh, mobile Safari within Go not actually cache anything, and it's simply append the question mark. If you append the question mark, that's the start of your parameters for a URL string, and it's the way that you can get the web viewer to not cache things so that every time that you export, it will, uh, and you do a refresh or a reload on the web viewer, it will get the new version. Man, whoever figured that one out has a propeller spinning really fast. I, that, one, that one came from Tanner. Um, I, oh, I'm yes. blanking his last name right now. Yeah, uh, who worked with Seed Code. Yeah, very, very fast propeller. That's a smart dude right there. <laughs> I, I, I am thankful to all of these guys. I mean, the things that they pick up, the experiences, that's what pause is. That's... I get a little bit out of DevCon, but I get more out of pause, mm-hmm. out of all honesty. Well, we wouldn't want you to be dishonest. <laughs> 
Well, the other, the last one that I got was just sort of an. Uh, it's a bit esoteric because you have to be working with custom web publishing engine. But basically, the, in the extended privileges of a given file, you have the FMP um, XML where you can say that that file can actually return back XML. So you have the custom web publishing turned on. Well, one of the things that we learned, this again was in John Renfrew's, if you're using that for something, you may have a server-side script that you want to trigger. And this is a way that you can trigger because one of the parameters when you make a request to a file that is offering up via custom web publishing uh, the ability to get back XML is if the server-side script is going to take a long time, what happens is you can make a request, part of the top part of your script can be request to things that will actually generate an error. And what happens is the custom web publishing will send back an error, but you don't really care about that because the script will continue to run. So basically you just issue, it's, it's a blind request, you basically hope and pray that something's going to happen, but in this case what happens is John is sending the blind request, he gets the error, so that releases control on the client back to do whatever it needs to do, but on the server side he's eventually pushing a PDF into a container. So what happens is if you stay on the record, or let's say you would use a web viewer to show a little spinning icon or something. What happens is that web viewer will eventually pop up and have the content that you want. Hmm. So it's a way to run a server-side script, have it started, and not have to wait for FileMaker client to actually finish and get response back from the server. It gets the response from querying the URL and saying, hey, we got an error. But it doesn't mean that the script won't continue to run. Hmm. So I love clever stuff like that. That's uh, it's just those little things. And that's that's pretty much the last one that I picked up with regards to... The high-end tips that I am probably going to use and put into practice. Hmm. Cool. So with that, we sign off and get working on all the other editing, all the other interviews I recorded. All right. So we're out of here. Hope you enjoy. <laughs>